Hello, hello, and welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Yellow Card. Hi, Dipen. How are you? What are your thoughts on this weekend? And I ask that because you have a variety of things that you can choose to start talking about. City march on after beating the Hammers. Jose all smiles after Bale went bizarre. United held at Chelsea, but were they supposed to be held? Oh my God, Lee Mason! What a refereeing decision. Nothing more than shambolic. I have no words. Liverpool finally get a victory. Where would you like to start, Tipin? Maybe the Gunners, because the Gunners gunned down Leicester City. Hey, Chirag, what's up? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal weekend this for Arsenal, especially. Coming off the UEFA Europa League match, barely scraped through against Benfica in the 87th minute through Aubameyang. And then you came here to Leicester, and within the first five minutes, as is becoming the norm, Arsenal conceded the goal. But then after that, it was a completely different game. Very, very impressive performance. I was very happy to watch that match. And despite not having the Saka, Party, and Aubameyang in the starting lineup, Arsenal took command of the game, were in dominant position most of the game, and a comprehensive 3-1 victory against third-place Leicester and away that too. So that's that's a big win uh, that should build some momentum going forward, but this episode has to be the Garrett Bale show, doesn't it? We we'll get to that. I definitely <laughs> agree with you on Arsenal and your thoughts over there. It was all doom and gloom after the first five minutes, probably, but they fought back. They were resilient. I think Willian now has three assists in two games. Uh, Arteta showing his resilience, showing his good management strategy and style, and. Arsenal actually looking good. They still lie ninth or tenth in the table, so I don't think that there's going to be too much that they can do about it towards the end of the season. But hopefully, still climb up a few spots. Like I had said last week, maybe seventh or eighth would do them really good. And I think it's it, the Arsenal team are finally coming of their own. They are finding what they really are good at—the kind of attractive football they like to play. Who's probably Arteta's best eleven? Whether Odegaard will stay. Uh, remains to be seen. He's contributed. Obviously, he's just come. So, let's look at his contributions. Although, I've also heard that Real Madrid are interested in keeping Odegaard for the future. So, it's going to be quite interesting in terms of how Arsenal continue to line themselves up. And make no mistake about it, the youth are the way forward. Because players like Sacco are complete fine and they have what is actually, I dare say, saved Arsenal's season. Yeah, absolutely. Saka and along with Smithrow, the two of them especially have done wonders in that uh, creative third. So, But a little trouble for Leicester now. I think we were assuming that they'll safely keep their top four position. But now with Madison out and Barnes also walking off injured during the match. And he's going to be out for another six weeks. They're losing a lot of players and they're missing a lot of key personnel. Do you think they can maintain their position in the table? Well, for their sake, I definitely hope they do. Like you said, testing times ahead for them, that's for sure. They have a decent bench, so remains to be seen how Brendan Rodgers gets the best out of his bench. And definitely, I agree that it's going to be testing times for the simple reason. Leicester dropped points, United came away with a draw, so they've dropped points. And guess who picked up a victory? None other than Liverpool. So, again, a chance for them to actually sneak into the top four slowly. I think they're still... 
a little bit of a difference and they've got catching up to do to obviously United and Leicester. I think if it was 10 points last time, it's probably 7 to Leicester and 8 to United still. But again, there's still 12 games. So, if Liverpool actually managed to, you know, pull the rabbit out of the bag and I dare say they're still not playing remotely as they should, even past performance, we'll get to it obviously later in the episode. But none of the strikers scored. So, it's going to be really interesting to see whether they whether Leicester can maintain that momentum or whether they get caught out. For their sake, like I said, I'm definitely hoping that they manage to keep it going. Remember, Wadi is still very, very much there. And at the end of the day, it's still a Leicester team that revolves around Wadi to a great extent. As long as Tillemans is there and a decent defence is in place, I still think that they should be able to hold on to a top four position. Moving on, the pain. I think now we can actually shift our focus to Manchester United and the game against Chelsea. Because, again, United got held. That is just one part of the story. The, I think it was a fairly even game. And none of them really looked too dangerous in the top third of the pitch. Having said that, obviously, we really barely have an episode over here without any VAR controversy and <laughs> let's get to it. Obviously, let's start small. And I say start small because I think the lesser of the two controversies was what happened with United and Chelsea when Hudson Adoy allegedly had a handball in the uh, in the in, in the penalty area in the D and it wasn't given by VAR. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it was actually a penalty and should have been given? Or do you think, look, you know what, it was a natural position, he had to do that and therefore it's not a penalty at the end of the day? It was very funny actually because the appeals for handball all came from the Chelsea players for a handball on, I think, Greenwood and which the ball eventually did go to handball on Greenwood as well. But I think, yeah, in the modern scenario since war has come in, these sort of handballs have been given penalties. So, I couldn't see a reason as to why that wasn't given a penalty. Although, honestly, it wasn't really really kind the kind of a handball that, you know, you want being given. So, both ways, either way, the decision would have gone. I am fine with it. So, overall, in the game as well, nil-nil was probably a fair reflection of the game because neither team really threatened the other side's goal. Neither team was creating as much. Chelsea were focused on not allowing Manchester United to counter-attack and Manchester United, as they play away from home, is more or less waiting for that opportunity to counter-attack. So, tactically, yes, both teams probably got what they want, realistically, but otherwise it wasn't much... There wasn't much to talk about for in that game. So, I agree with most of your comments. I think the comment I don't agree with is it went, whether it goes either way, I'm okay with it. I don't for the simple reason that I agree with you in the modern game, it is a penalty. And that's where my problem lies. The consistency of VAR, the consistency of the decision-making. Because even if we look at the Brighton game, and obviously we'll come to that, a lot of controversy there. But the penalties that were given over there, were pretty much of a similar nature as the alleged handball by Hudson Odoi. So it should have been given in the United game as well as the Brighton game based on what we've seen this entire season. And we're in the uh, towards the latter half of the season, we move past the 
midpoint of the season. So now they need to find consistency in what refereeing decisions and VAR decisions are being made. Because whether we like it or not, in the modern game, or at least this season for sure, they made it evidently clear that that you know things like what the way Hudson Odoi had touched the ball through his hand, it is going to be a penalty. So if that's the case for the last God knows how many weeks, and that's the case in the Brighton game, I don't see why it's not supposed to be given over here. I think it's literally appalling that there is still no consistency in decision-making by the referees. And all that happens is everyone tries to come out and save the referees. I know that if it's a hard job and they come out, come in for a lot of stick. And even, you know, when Luke Shaw said that, look, you know what I heard? The referee talked to Maguire and he said, if I give it, it's going to be a lot, it's going to lead to a lot of talk. Uh, apparently now, rumor has it that Maguire has actually clarified to the United officials that, that Luke Shaw heard wrong. And, but if you look at, you know, even all his post-match interview, he didn't want to comment on it because he knew it'd get into trouble and he knew it wouldn't be nice for the ref either. So, there's a certain level where you need to decide, okay, this is about, yes, it's a hard job for referees and we need to look after them and protect them. But I'm sorry, that was just appalling. And I have no words. I think it should have been given as a penalty and then let the chips fall as they may. Overall, yes, it's a 50-50 game and a draw is probably fair wording. But because of the that handball, I think it definitely should have gone in United's favour. And more than anything, it's not about whose favour it's gone in. The bottom line is, the refereeing decisions need to improve. They have bar over there for crying out loud and they can't even be consistent after that. That's just shambolic. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, this the English Premier League is probably the biggest stage for football right now. In the current scenario, it, it is the biggest league and it is probably the richest league as well. So, you want the best level of refereeing there to be there as well. Just like you want the best level from the players play, you want the best from the referees. So, in that sense, yes, they need to find more consistency in their decisions. But I guess, yeah, no. as I always say, no point talking about it right now. Let's move on to the next game. So, basically, you're pretty much uh, very happy, Chirag, since four teams Liverpool is competing against have all dropped points. So, that that's good news. Oh, absolutely. The good news is the rest dropped points and we managed to pick up the three points finally. So, definitely happy that we're cutting the gap. However little it may be, we have to take it game by game and go slowly, slowly and try and find our form. I still think we're a little light on the bench. There are a lot of players injured and we need to figure out a way to come through. I'm hoping eventually Jota, who's back in training, will feature. Uh, apparently, Van Dyke too is back in training or light training and therefore should at some point during this season come back. But I think obviously we need to take Van Dyke's return at a very slow pace. More than anything, we need to start scoring in the top end of the pitch. And I still don't think that's happened because at the end of the day, the strikers didn't score. I think while Liverpool would have loved to give Firmino that goal, uh, it was an own goal at the end of the day. And uh, I, I think there was one by Curtis Jones as well. But at the end of the day, when you're playing against a team like Sheffield United, no matter who your centre-backs are, you need to start winning and winning convincingly. This was literally bottom of the side, bottom of the table, Sheffield United. And we need our strikers to find some form. So, there's a lot of scope for improvement. The upside is we came out winners. We got our three points. So, overall, definitely a happy week if you're a Liverpool supporter. So, I can't complain. I just hope that they now put their heads down and actually 
managed to string a few victories together. I think they've got an important match against Chelsea coming up, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be really, really a tough test, a true test of their abilities. And let's see if Klopp can come out on top over there. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, I, I think, an impressive performance by third-choice goalkeeper now, Adrian, who got a game this time. Uh, first two choices, obviously, not available. Alisson, for the reasons, uh, of course, because of his father uh, who passed away. But, uh, yeah, good game for Adrian and having two new centre-backs uh, just in front of him, that too. Absolutely. The joy of keeping a clean sheet, I guess. And, and, and that too. So, when you say new centre-backs, yes, yeah, so Kabak is new. I would like to just make it clear that while Nathaniel Phillips is fairly young, around 23 and not much experience, I would say, he's done well throughout this season. So, a lot of credit needs to go to him for hanging in there this entire season, literally having new centre-back partners every now and then, being forced to fill in for people. And he's done a really, really good job. So, definitely, you know, um, uh, looking good at, for their centre-backs and looking good for uh, Liverpool Football Club. And, yeah, it, it, just a short note, you know, in, and our hearts go out to Alisson uh, and, and our thoughts definitely with him at this point in time. Uh, moving on, Debane, we can perhaps talk of a little more shambolic refereeing when we talk about the Brighton game against West Brom, I definitely have thoughts about that. But before uh, I rant, why don't you take a jab at it? Oh man, Brighton were faced... They were not playing against West Brom. They were playing against some horrid luck and some terrible referee. I think that that's where the match was. Because two missed penalties, both hit... One hitting the crossbar, one hitting the post... And that free kick, referee Lee Mason blows the whistle for the free kick to be taken. The free kick is taken, the ball goes into the net. The referee has blown the whistle again already. And he first decides it's a no goal. Then he decides it's a goal. By that time, VAR is checking the uh, goal and tells the referee to go to the monitor. He comes back and says no goal because apparently, and this is what I read on The Athletic, that by the time... The referee blew the second whistle. The ball had not crossed the goal line. Hence, the ball is dead at that point and therefore that's a no goal. I don't know why in the first place he blew the whistle for the free kick to be taken if he didn't want the free kick to be taken. And if he saw that the players were not ready. And after that, if he's just, if he's blown the whistle and then he's decided to give the goal, I don't understand how it's then called not a goal. So, I absolutely... Horrible sequence of uh, decisions by the referee. I'm sure he had a bad day there. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how that has managed to happen. Well, I'm confused from start to finish. So, like you said, for starters, he blew the whistle. If he blows the whistle, Lewis Dunk has the right to take the penalty, uh, the free kick. I think it was Dunk. Uh, and, uh, and pardon me if it wasn't, but I think it was Dunk. The, the free kick's taken. Falls in the goal. Before the free kick, or rather simultaneously, he blows his whistle saying, no, no, the players are not ready. By that time, obviously, ball and goal. You have the Brighton players contesting it. He comes under pressure. Then he says, yes, it's a goal. By that time, VAR is involved. And I don't understand why VAR was involved if the referee didn't want VAR to be involved. Because what, in VAR's opinion, was a blatant error, that's very, very confusing. Bear in mind, while he went to the monitor to check, VAR first disallowed the goal on the big screen. After which... VAR then advised him to go and check the monitor. So, it's just a mess because why would you advise the referee to go check the monitor if you've already made your decision as VAR? What? I mean, I, I have no words. It's hard for me to explain the sequence of events because I just don't know what happened. If he thought the players weren't ready and even if he 
accidentally inadvertently blew the whistle once he reblows the whistle the second time and calls it for the free kick to be retaken and it's not a goal then there's no reason for him to come under pressure again and declare it a goal and then he did that as well and then var came in and said no goal then var came in and said while it's not a goal why don't you have another look at it and then he came back and said no goal just doesn't make sense absolute and like i said shambolic decisions oh my god this is just ridiculous both lee mason and var because and i'd i'd blame var as well because what are you doing what are you thinking if you already put it up on the monitor as no goal then that's it you can't go and ask the referee to go recheck var's decision if they are actually displaying a decision because their first decision was no goal not asking the referee to go take a look for themselves so i don't even know what the var referee was thinking in this case let alone lee mason not to mention a crazy crazy game for brighton because two missed penalties so overall the game another level of crazy then the var decision i don't have other words i know i've used the word shambolic a lot this episode but there's no other way to describe it it's appalling <laughs> or see maybe i have another couple of adjectives <laughs> appalling is not the word this is just ridiculous I think it's time from my perspective let's move on to another game I have nothing else to add <laughs> Absolutely neither do I actually I, I, as you said the words are uh, shambolic and appalling that's what defines that string of refereeing decisions by Lee Mason but anyways let's move on to Manchester City and their continued dominance in this league now 2-1 victory over fourth place West Ham the tough part was that they did struggle at in parts the scary part for the other teams is Aguero is back Kevin De Bruyne is back uh, and they won against the fourth place team without Sterling without uh, Rodri without three or four other players who normally would have played so their complete squad is back and they're going to just not stop at any point now right well that's an important thing you said their whole squad is back so when you said Sterling and two three other players that normally would have played i don't know whether they would have played or not because you can have two sides of Manchester City equally strong and wonder which one is probably going to win the league because they'll probably still be in the top 2 so if you look at the bench now and i was looking at the bench before the match started it's just a ridiculous bench they the scary part for everybody else is manchester city's squad is back we're, we're into the last third of the season so to speak and the manchester city squad is back they remember they've gone on an unbeaten run without half their squad or without half of their first team players now they have everyone back so everybody be scared because there's hell will break loose if pep guardiola can help it i promise you that there's going to be much more winning much more many more goals and a crazy defense someone stop the city side i think they're in contention on what three or four fronts everyone in the champions league be where manchester city are coming this time around and they're coming to win it i want to see what happens because the premier league is theirs the champions league they definitely definitely going to go after this year it's going to be exciting times for all city players and i'm not a uh, sorry for all city fans and i'm not a city fan but i am very very excited at just the prospect of some more exciting football some more break, records being broken some undefeated runs and some amazing amazing goals because their whole squad is back yeah and at one point pep guardiola was complaining about not having five subs I think now he'll be okay with if there's no substitutions allowed in the game because he'll just put on two different sides uh and alternate them <laughs> between different competitions and he'll be comfortable while everyone else will struggle so <laughs> I think that's the way to go for him <laughs> Absolutely well put Jibane I think this is going to be fun 
if you're a city supporter there's a lot to be excited about this is going to be really really good fun let's move on then chirag it's time it's time for the gareth bale part of the show and gareth bale was the talk of this weekend wasn't he oh absolutely and i mean i've been up and down on him so anyone that's actually listening to us on a regular basis is going to know that my thoughts on gareth bale have fluctuated like i, I mean on another level let's say literally every week i have something good or bad to say about him and i've really not shown any consistency so to speak in my thoughts because the first few weeks i ranted and raved about gareth bale and the prospect of kane bale and son and as time went on and mourinho didn't play him and i thought in my opinion bale didn't show enough hunger as well the gareth bale magic in my mind wore off and i was like this is just not working this is not working Bale has to go back to Madrid. We're not going to pay, and by we I mean Spurs are not going to pay three hundred thousand quid a week for him, uh, even if that's just half his salary. And you know what? It's time for him to go home. This has just not worked out. And a few good Europa League games. He starts in the Premier League. Sixty-eight seconds. The man pokes in a wonderful goal. Second goal, I think, for the second goal there was an assist. It was a long ball. What a pick out! What a ball! He absolutely was phenomenal that long ball to Harry Kane. Then he scored another one. I think the fourth goal. And a thing to point out: the first two goals, the first two shots of each half for Spurs were from Gareth Bale, and both were converted to goals. And the fourth goal was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was a wonderful left left-sided curler. Amazing from Gareth Bale. So a lot to be excited about if you're a Spurs fan. Another thing I think that Spurs Spurs fans should be excited about is the fact that Mourinho finally let his Italians loose. And I was talking about this just last week. He needs to let them go. He needs to let them play. And he did exactly that. There was a smile on Mourinho's face around the 80th minute, and that was because he let them play. So, Chirag, I am going to put out a word to all of Tottenham Hotspur's fans that it is be- because you were defending Jose Mourinho all this while. that this didn't happen the moment you said jose mourinho should change tactics and not play defensive football is the moment he does it and is the moment spurs put on a wonderful show so if anyone is to blame it's probably you <laughs> <laughs> well at least he heard me right so so he heard me it's not me to blame he heard me he let italians loose and hey presto what happened having said that let's let's not get ahead of ourselves they won 4-0 yes convincing victory but it was no disrespect but it was against bonley after all i still think there's a lot more to come again uh, they're not that far off from the champions league spots yes i don't expect them to make a champions league spot now but they can definitely make it very interesting and especially in the europa league they also i think in the carabao cup final so the fact that bale is coming good in the last third of the season is really really good you'll have kane you'll have bale you'll have son he played them with mora in the and he played them with mora in the starting 11 dele ali looks like he's doing much much better so that's only going to add to the mix and i was actually looking at their bench as well and honestly i'm really really excited about the spurs bench it hurts me to say this but right now the spurs bench are a lot lot stronger than the liverpool bench probably only second to city's bench so it's about time that mourinho just lets them play some good football lets them do what they're capable of Let's them lose and let's see what Spurs can do. Because as you could tell on Instagram this past weekend, I was very excited with everything that was happening 
and everything that was connected to Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is what I've been we've been talking about this uh, saying that you know there have been signs from Bale, there have been that he has the squad. Mourinho can do a lot more. There is a lot of quality in that squad. to you know put out much better performances forget about the results but at least let them play and he let them play and the result went his way as well so uh, i think after that match where they scored 6 against united this is probably the most free flowing tottenham hotspurs that you've seen in a single game so yeah i think it can only be positive if delhi ali also comes into the mix and just like city if spurs have their entire squad together they can probably make a run for that fourth Spot or at least make it interesting, like you said. Absolutely, the pain. I think on that note we can call it a night. Thanks everyone for listening. And just before we end, please remember to show us some love on our Insta handle, the Yellow Card underscore Chirag in the pain. We love you all. See you on the other side. Cheers. Good night, everyone. Cheers.